The Wrestling Podcast About Nothing is brought to you by BDA Radio. BDA Radio doesn't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head on over to BDARadio.com and check out all of the latest news on the UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. They are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves. BDARadio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Welcome to episode 35 of the BDA Radio Exclusive Edition of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on BDARadio.com and the Podcast Radio Network. I am longtime pro wrestling referee Mike Crockett, and I'm joined, as always, by independent wrestling veteran, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. Hello. Hello, Michael. What's going on? Um, it's going well. It's going well with you? I didn't ask you how it's going. I, s- I said, what's going on? You, oh, oh, oh. you didn't answer my question. Dodging questions as usual, right from the start here. What's going on is we're recording our podcast. <laughs> and it's a special edition of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on BDA Radio. Uh, we got Merv Griffin time coming up, of course, where we get your thoughts and answer your questions. Plus, one more maddening mwahaha will be immortalized in our Heal Laugh Hall of Fame. But first, usually we discuss a different topic each week, voted on by our listeners and followers at the WPAN on Twitter. But this week, it's something a little different. Of course, this Sunday, this past Sunday, we lost one of the legendary figures in professional wrestling. Bobby the Brain Heenan died at the age of 72. There was some uh, conjecture there whether it was 72 or 73. I believe we got confirmation from his obituary that it was 72 years old. Bobby the Brain Heenan passed away. Someone that both of us, I think, kind of grew up with, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're a kid of the 80s who loved professional wrestling starting in the 80s and through the 90s, then Bobby the Brain Heenan probably was a big part of your of your entertainment watching while you while you were growing up. He was uh I mean, as a kid, I hated him. I absolutely despised him. He was essentially the uh, we talk about all the different Hulk Hogan feuds, but I mean, it could be argued that perhaps Bobby the Brain Heenan was the arch nemesis of of Hulk Hogan for uh at least a good portion of the early Hulkamania run. And the funny thing is, to the very end, he was anti-Hulk Hogan. Even when Hulk Hogan <laughs> turned heel in WCW. Yes. Heenan's take was, I told you all along. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it, but the the I know there's been a lot of controversy in the recent years over the kind of revelation that, I guess, what Eric Bischoff was pissed off about Heenan saying... Whose side is he on when Hogan came out in 96? But yes. in, in actuality, it's 10 plus years of continuity in, uh, <laughs> you know, in wrestling storyline and wrestling lore because Bobby Heenan has always hated Hulk Hogan. That is for sure. And I got a couple of little talking points here. One is, who do you think the best Heenan adversary is? Are you thinking that it's Hulk Hogan? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think without question. I mean, I mean, again, it can be argued that even though it was uh, different wrestlers that were that were fighting Hulk Hogan, maybe Heenan is up there as one of Hulk Hogan's greatest adversaries because you had King Kong Bundy at two. He they used him to help turn Andre heel for three. I think he was involved with uh, Mister Wonderful. Yeah. When Flair came in, he was involved with him, and Hogan and Flair had you know brief runs on house shows, but uh, Heenan was involved with that. So. Bobby Heenan has been right at the forefront of, of a lot of uh, you know the biggest moments in wrestling history. So, when it comes to your first Bobby Heenan memory, what's the first thing you remember seeing with Bobby Heenan? Uh, I mean, I, I guess it would have to be, and, I, and I'm pretty sure he was there for this: the Bundy and Morocco kicking the shit out of Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's main event. That's before my time. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember not watching wrestling, and and and. Um, I mean, the other thing is just primetime wrestling. Watching, watching primetime wrestling as a kid, you know, Bobby Heenan was always was always on it, and great antagonist to Gorilla Monsoon. Uh, but it was definitely that era of Bobby Heenan, uh, that mid '80s when I was, you know, five, six years old that I that I definitely remember, you know, first first seeing Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan was one of the first LJN figures that I got as a kid. <laughs> really? Yes. You'd you think you want the wrestlers, the guys that go in the ring, you can throw those big rubber figures against each other, but the Bobby Heenan figure, huh? Well, yeah, I got, I got Hogan, I got Piper, I got Bundy, and I needed, I needed Bobby Heenan. <laughs> you needed the manager on the outside. There you go. Well, you talked about Gorilla a second ago. I mean, I would argue that Heenan's greatest adversary was Gorilla Monsoon, and I guess we can get into that a little later when we talk about primetime wrestling, but when it comes to me, my first memory of Bobby the Brain Heenan I've said this a number of times, the first pay-per-view that I really watched intently that got me into professional wrestling was WrestleMania 4. And on that show, there was a tag team match with the British Bulldogs and Coco Beware. It's a six-man tag. The British Bulldogs and Coco Beware versus the Islanders and Bobby Heenan. And my first memory of Bobby Heenan was him walking down to the ring in that dog catcher not a dog catcher costume but that that <laughs> outfit that's uh, supposed to be you know uh resistant to dogs so they can't yes. bite you it's a, it's a big like it looks like a, he's wearing a burlap sack it looks like with a bunch of <laughs> yes. buckles on it and it wasn't very flattering about that <laughs> yeah wasn't very flattering but uh the whole angle was the islanders stole matilda the british bulldogs bulldog and they got Matilda back, and they got Heenan in this match, the six-man tag, and Heenan decided that he had to wear this protective costume to um, keep Matilda from attacking him. Yes. Matilda was a flea-bitten mongrel. <laughs> it was. And one of the great visuals was back in the day, they had those um, dog leashes that, had, that was, like, stiff, and they had, like, the dog collar... That was just there. It was like a, walking an invisible dog. You remember this thing? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. As it has like the harness with the or the collar with like yeah the straight leash. But Matilda was back at WrestleMania four, and uh, I remember Bobby Heenan actually they got the win. The uh, Islanders dropped Bobby Heenan on I don't know if it was Coco or one of the Bulldogs, either Dynamite Kid or Davy Boy Smith, but. 
Heenan was picked up in the air and dropped onto, I think it was probably Coco. And Heenan got the victory for the team of the Islanders and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And Matilda did get his or her revenge chasing Heenan down the aisle. And I'm not sure that he bit him. It might have just sniffed around him. It didn't look particularly vicious, but I guess it got the job done. And Matilda got her revenge on the brain. But yeah, my first memory was Heaton in that big, awful anti-Matilda outfit at WrestleMania 4. So we talked about the Islanders. We talked about Andre, King Kong, Bundy. Who would you say, Kingpin, is your favorite Heenan family member? Ooh. Who did Bobby Heenan work with the best, do you think? I think the mighty Hercules. No. <laughs> <laughs> you had me for half a second there. <laughs> Until he sold him into slavery, for crying out loud. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be Andre. I think that's the, you know, the most memorable. I think that's the, you know, I think, I think that's the, I think Andre. It's Andre, hands down to me. Andre the Giant. Yeah, I, I would almost say Rick Rude. I just I, I love the dynamic of the two of them together in the ring when <laughs> I you just picture it, Rick Rude doing his, you know, for all you fat, out of shape, Kansas City sweat hogs, and then he just throwing his head back in laughter every single time. <laughs> he absolutely loving every second of it, and you know, he removing the robe and stuff like that. I just thought they had a good dynamic together all the way to the very end when the two of them were making fun of the big boss man's mother. <laughs> Which I'm not quite sure what was supposed to happen with that angle. I know Rick Rude left a little prematurely. But in the end, Heenan got his for uh, dissing the boss man's mother in the early 90s. But I, it was... So it I always worked. used to love when, when Heenan was forced into competition. He'd wear the one-strapped black yes. singlet. <laughs> yes, the uh, Andre the Giant style singlet. And I, I think him and Perfect were a great pairing, too. Um, yeah, Perfect used to throw the towel and Heenan would catch it. Yeah, stand on the second rope, throw the towel over his back, and Heenan would catch it. Yeah. A lot of back in the days, a lot of these guys didn't necessarily need managers. I mean, Rude could talk for himself. Mr. Perfect could talk for himself. But that was just the way it was in the 80s. You're a heel. You had a, you have a manager, heel manager. Yeah. yeah. In which they got away from. I mean, they do it with Paul Heyman these days, who's not a manager. He's an advocate. But <laughs> I think it still has a place in today's wrestling, a manager. And I know we, we've worked with a, a number of managers on the independent level, Kingpin. And I mean, there's still a place for that, I think, in professional wrestling today, right? Yeah, I, th- I think being a manager, it's one of those things. It's when it's good, it's great. But when it's bad, it's it's really bad. And I, and I think they're, I mean, something that Bobby Heenan did so well, and it was hard being as, as entertaining as he was to not completely outshine his, um, you know, his... His charges, I guess, if you, if you will. Um, but that's an important piece of being a manager is you want to be, you know, an accompanying piece. You don't want to overshadow the guy that you're, you know, that that you're managing. And I and I joked about I joked about Hercules, but that's probably why. I mean, somebody like Hercules was horrible to be with Bobby Heenan or uh, even Terry Taylor. I think was with him for a short period of time, and he just overshadowed these guys. Especially with a guy like Heenan, who the crowd will just start chanting "Weasel" at him, "Weasel, Weasel," and he t- <laughs> he'll take the heat away from a guy if 
you know the guy if the talent isn't strong enough to hold their attention they'll just turn to Heenan and I think you're right about Terry Taylor who became the Red Rooster obviously and he had a famous line that he would say to people like the Red Rooster I think I have this here hold on just a second Kingpin you listen to me you go to the top you don't listen to me you're never heard from again yes those are the famous words uttered to the Red Rooster after um Bobby Heenan said, follow me to the top. It didn't quite work out for for young Terry Taylor, but... <laughs> Cock-a-doodle-doo, doo, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Bobby Heenan, like you said, if you, uh, if you weren't a strong enough individual like a Terry Taylor, then he'll, he could just uh, take all the heat away from you. But he had a, a good way of being able to turn it all back around onto the talent. Yeah, and I mean, the greatest thing, the best thing about Heenan, too, was uh, whoever they were feuding with, whoever his guy was shooting with, whether it be Hulk Hogan, the famous scene of Hogan throwing throwing Bobby Heenan around the big blue cage, or the Ultimate Warrior in the weasel suit matches. Bobby Heenan is, was a manager who, who was a fantastic worker uh, and could get his ass handed to him. I think that was important to what he was able to do. The fact that he was able to go in there and actually work matches and, and get his ass handed to him. And I think that added to it where, you know, all the other managers, whether it's Jimmy Hart or whether it was Slick, that wasn't going to happen with them. The payoff for the Weasel Suit uh, match was always fantastic. I mean, they, I don't even think they ever did it on pay per view, but they might have even shown it on primetime wrestling or like a video release. But I mean, I think most of us uh, out there have seen it where he he's put it to sleep and the famous one was with the Ultimate Warrior. You know, Warrior stuffs him into this weasel suit and he comes to, he's alone in the ring and he's groggy and he wipes his face and he looks at his hand and it's a furry hand with claws on it and he's like what's going on he's bringing it all together right in front of your eyes he's figuring all this out he, he you know he looks behind his back sees his tail chases his own tail falls on his ass it's absolutely amazing the the realization that comes over him you have to go and check that out i'm sure it's somewhere on youtube or something like that if wwe hasn't uh, you know struck their mighty hand down on it yet oh i've seen it. i've seen it a million times since you know since sunday it's all over the place. It won't be hard to find, but yeah, it was, okay. I mean, just I mean, I, I tweeted it out when I first got the news. I, Bobby Bobby Heenan's a generational type of performer. He, he's, I mean, every bit you know, somebody who is is a once in a lifetime sort of sort of talent. And no better place to showcase that than beyond his managing, him in the commentary booth, and him on primetime wrestling with Gorilla Monsoon. We brought it up earlier. He's not a commentator, though, Michael. Oh, excuse me. What was he again? It's a broadcast journalist. He certainly was a broadcast journalist. And primetime wrestling, I mean, that's where I really got to know Bobby Heenan. And he was the host of primetime wrestling. <laughs> that's what I understand. That's what he said every week. <laughs> And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Um, yeah, that's where really, like I, you know, as I said, 88 was my first year. And just every Monday night or Tuesday night at some point, primetime wrestling, just the banter back and forth. Like the wrestling matches were nothing to write home about for the most part. You know, like 30-minute house, house show matches. House show matches or some, some, I think they threw some squash matches in there as well. Like It'd be like... Um, B. Brian Blair versus S.D. Jones with like a 10-minute headlock spot in it. <laughs> I, I just I just watched a clip of one. It was Blackjack Mulligan versus Jimmy Jack Funk. 
Holy Moses. That's, that's the match they throw it to. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so long that they have to take a break in the middle. They they come back to the studio and say, oh, this match is uh, rolling on. He's building momentum here is, uh, you know, the genius. We'll be right back with more. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Heenan on, always on the telephone and uh, made to look like an ass. No one made themselves look like an ass better, I think, in wrestling than Bobby Heenan. Yeah, I mean, and, and it clearly was something he wasn't afraid to do, and it, and it honestly made him a, a very rich man, not not taking himself too seriously, clearly. Being willing to do some of the foolish things where some guys in wrestling might be apprehensive to do. Uh, and his comedic timing was just... Impeccable. Yeah, it was, it was amazing, or just how quick-witted uh, he was. Some of the stuff he'd come out with, like, it was just... It was amazing. And you could tell it wasn't like, I don't think these were pre-scripted things that he sat down and wrote for hours. It, they all felt extremely organic and in the moment. No, he didn't have an earpiece. Vince wasn't feeding him in these lines as they do today. <laughs> but yeah, this the stuff with uh, primetime wrestling, Bobby Heenan just off the cuff, just an amazing, amazing uh, talent. Like you said, just uh, one of the touchstones of professional wrestling. And what do you think would be your favorite Bobby Heenan moment out of all the things that you've seen from Bobby Heenan over the years? What's your favorite moment featuring the brain? I mean, you would, you would think based on the error <laughs> that I love so much that it would probably come from that time period. But my absolute favorite <laughs> is the 1992 Royal Rumble and Bobby Heenan when Ric Flair comes out at number three and just the phrase over and over again, it's not fair to Flair. It's not fair to Flair. <laughs> There's nothing quite better than when Bobby Heenan was losing his mind and wasn't able to compose himself and stumbling over his words. And <laughs> the Gorilla Monster, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and everyone's been talking about the Royal Rumble 92 since his passing. And yeah, when the finish of the match occurred and Ric Flair won the World Wrestling Federation Championship in the Royal Rumble, this is what it sounded like. I don't know how WWE, they have the, all this uh, archived footage and, and it's up on the network. And I'm sure important people in their company probably watch this stuff from time to time, especially when somebody passes away. How could they listen to commentary like that and then be okay with the shit commentary that is present today? And, I, and I'm sorry, the commentary is shit. <laughs> I hate it. Well, I mean, there's there's some bright spots, but for the most part, yeah, it's more homogenized. It is pre-produced, as I talked about, you know, someone in your ear telling you what to say. It's definitely, does it doesn't have that same feel as like that entire match had with Heenan just fair to flare the whole thing. It's, yeah, it's definitely, it doesn't sound like that these days, that's for sure. <laughs> Half the time, they're not even talking about the match in the ring. It, it, 
it drives me crazy. I, I think a lot of people after the Attitude Era love Jim Ross and uh, Jerry Lawler, but my favorite commentary team of all time will always be Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Yeah, just their interplay. I mean, Bobby Heenan and Mean Gene on All American Wrestling had a had a nice rapport as well, but it was always Heenan and Gorilla. That was the uh, A number one. Well, even Heenan and Vince McMahon were, were, were good together. I think the one common denominator in, in all of these things we're talking about is is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah, I mean, Heenan was on the early Monday Raws, and he was on the early Monday Nitros, which is kind of uh, an interesting fact to know. As for me, my favorite moment, we talked about a lot of uh, his humor and stuff like that, but something that struck me that made me stand up out of my seat as I was watching Saturday morning on WWF Superstars, was Heenan. He was already in the commentary booth this time. He wasn't managing anymore, and he was just cutting a promo. I'm like, why is this guy cutting a promo? He's he's a commentator, and he talks about ice cream and horse manure. <laughs> comparing this wrestler to Hulk Hogan is like comparing ice cream to horse manure, and then he holds up that championship. The NWA, what you know, everybody knows is the NWA World Heavyweight Title. He holds that up on WWF TV. Was one of the moments of my life where I was like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> that was just a, a shock to me when I saw the biggest championship from the rival promotion on WWF TV. And and Jim the Anvil's there for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, they did that a couple times. Yeah, they did it on Superstars with Heenan by himself. And then on Wrestling Challenge, which was the next hour, they did it again with, with, you know, with Jim Neidhart looking on <laughs> incredulously. But yeah, that moment to me was like a what-the-fuck moment in pro wrestling. And, you know, Heenan made the moment. So... I mean, when I think of Bobby Heenan, I think of that and, of course, primetime wrestling, Gorilla and Bobby, all those things. And Bobby Heenan's uh, speech at the Hall of Fame saying, you know, I wish Monsoon was here, just like, you know, breaks your heart. There's one, there's one more I think we got to mention, though, here. Uh, okay. And it's one that we've probably seen try to be replicated on indie wrestling shows uh for for the last you know 15 to 20 years spanning our careers mike and that's yes that's the finish to uh the ultimate warrior and <laughs> ravishing rick rude at wrestlemania 5 with bobby heenan holding the warrior's foot down i'm really glad you said that every time they need a finish involving a manager anytime they need a fuck finish the number one go-to is always Guy on the outside will hold his leg. It became so cliche, but yes, it started at WrestleMania 5. I'm really glad you brought that up. That's, yeah. <laughs> that was the one at Chaotic Wrestling. Be like, Jesus, no, let's not do that again. But that was always the go to. <laughs> always. Holy Toledo. And one more. I'll just get one more that uh, kind of shocked me also. A Bobby Heenan shocking moment. It was on a Clash of the Champions for WCW where uh, Brian Pillman. <laughs> walked up behind him at the commentary booth and I'm really upset I don't have this sound clip but he, he Bobby Hina didn't know it was coming he has a bad neck he doesn't like to be touched or like he didn't know what was going to happen and he says live on TBS the fuck are you doing I remember I had that clip. I had that uh, sound. It wasn't a soundbite at the time. It was like, what is it, 93 or 94? But I remember continuing to play that. Like, did he really say fuck? Oh, my God. And yeah, it was Heenan was very flustered that Brian Pillman was uh, screwing around with him at ringside. What the fuck are you doing? 
Isn't there another like kind of infamous? Is it when Andre turned on him uh, at WrestleMania, where uh, he like he slapped Andre in the face and said something like "I'm the fucking boss" or something like that? Is there another like infamous Bobby Heenan f bomb? Right. I don't know about that one. I'll have to look that one up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Look at it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's uh, when after the Colossal Connection loses and they go to turn on Andre that that uh, you know he does like this. He slaps Andre and then says to him, "I'm, I'm the fucking boss." And then Andre, you know, gets fired up. But colorful language from the brain. Yeah. So it was pay per view at that time. Bobby Heenan. It's uh, of course he was in poor health for a number of years, like 15 years. He found out he had jaw cancer and. At first, it just screwed with his like uh, speech a little bit. You know, he, it was he spoke a little differently at the Hall of Fame, for example. But then it, it really got worse. He had to have surgery, removed his jaw, and it was uh, tough going. He was still in good spirits, from what I understand, from what I've heard. But uh, yeah, he finally lost uh, the long battle after a number of health issues uh, this past Sunday. So Bobby Heenan, obviously one of the greatest personalities perhaps the greatest all-around personality just so many things that he could do well in the wrestling business and he excelled at every single thing that he was asked to do and he did just about every job and did it like to perfection so it's one of those things it's a cruel cruel irony that that of all things for bobby heenan to lose it was the ability to speak yeah yeah definitely and uh, I want to point out our friends at the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast did a great, it was a live stream talking about Bobby Heenan, like almost like hours after the news came down about his death. You can find that footage on their YouTube channel, Our Vantage Point, or they also put out a podcast about it, the Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe and Quinn. Uh, thanks to those guys. They've helped me out with some audio issues recently. Joe has, I should say. Great podcast. Uh, if you want more Bobby Heenan stuff, that's a great place to go. Uh, listen to those guys talk about Bobby the Brain Heenan, the greatest, one of the greatest personalities in pro wrestling history, bar none. All right, let's move on to Merv Griffin time. Uh, it is named for your favorite episode of our favorite show, Seinfeld. Of course, we do voicemails over on the NAI Wrestling Network. So get yours in now. We will play it on the show this coming Monday. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. And if this is the first time you're hearing us this week, you are missing out. Join us every Monday on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. It's actually now on a new feed. If you were subscribed to us, that is the NAI Pop feed. It will now be exclusively pop culture starting October 1st. And you want to go and search out the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. It's actually the original New Age Insiders feed. Make sure you subscribe there because after October 1st, we'll be exclusively on that feed. Search WPAN or your favorite podcast platform subscribe to both and you'll be locked in and ready to go with wpan twice a week but the way to participate here on bda radio on merv Griffin time is using our hashtag on twitter hashtag wpan uh okay last thursday kingpin worst finishing maneuvers and as always i got an earful from brian fury but maybe uh, at some other point we could talk to him about his thoughts about what we said about the worst finishing maneuvers we got this a couple times we got it from randall keogh our good friend at randall keogh on twitter also from at guy named jim they both say that uh you know any finishing move is the worst because it doesn't finish anyone <laughs> off anymore well no yeah in 2017 there is no such thing as a finishing maneuver and you hear criticism when somebody loses to one of 
somebody's finisher. So I don't know. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you didn't hit 12, then it just wasn't enough. Yeah, people. Uh, the, well, that's you've conditioned people now that when they see they finish a hit once, they don't pop, and they're very surprised when someone doesn't kick out. It's <laughs> yes. very strange the way things have evolved. Oh, uh, Randall Keogh brought up. He says that Warrior kicked out of Hogan's atomic leg drop. Did he? Or uh, what I recall is that Warrior moved. Did Warrior actually kick out of the leg drop? Um, maybe he moved for the fin- for the finish. He definitely moved. Yeah, that's what I recall. I, I mean, I'm not sure if he tried to hit the leg drop again and he kicked out. That's not my recollection. I probably should have researched that. This tweet came in a number of days ago. I'm sure I could have uh, gone and done that in the meantime, but I did. I, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, I, I see it as clear as day because it was one of the uh, turning points of my life when the Ultimate Warrior rolled out of the way when Hogan went for the leg drop. I, mean, I could see Hogan doing the big sell of his ass like, ah, with his hands out and his fingers extended like, ah. But uh, yeah, that's what I—that's my recollection of the whole, the whole matter. Um, Brandon at BLR Nerd. We actually put a picture of Santina Morella doing the Cobra on Twitter. That was uh, how we sold this podcast to the people. That was the photo attached to it, and he says the Cobra was excellent. That's a blasphemy. Oh boy. <laughs> oh no, it was not. It was stupid. Very, very, very stupid. Sorry, Brandon. Uh, Mike, he is at Main Event Swerve on Twitter, said the worst finisher ever. How about Monty Brown's pounce? Pounce! (laughs) It's at least the worst football tackle technique ever. That was actually on my list that I didn't get to. Like, you know, obviously there was a ton of them. Chase Del Monte would be furious if he hears this. He loves the pounce. He loves the pounce and he loves Monty Brown. <laughs> there, uh, or Marcus Vaughn, uh, what is it? Marcus Corvon. Marcus Corvon. <laughs> yeah. Um, the timing has to be perfect for that to look like anything. And 5% of the time, they get the timing down right. Either you, know, you throw the guy out of the ropes and the guy has to come off the ropes and slow down to be hit, or the guy comes off to. It just never looks right. Is very rarely does it look good. I don't know. I've seen a few good ones. It depends on who's doing it. I think that I think the talent of the performer matters. I, I did take a pounce from Congo one time and absolutely effing destroyed my shoulder on the landing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I st- I don't, I'm not sure that my shoulder has been right since then. And it was about. Uh, it was. It was actually. I believe. I believe it was Max's last show with Chaotic Wrestling. So, however many years ago that was at this point, before he got signed. So, however many years ago that was at this point, it was that day. I'm pretty sure it was outdoors at that Hudson venue. Oh wow! Yeah, quite a number of years ago. We actually we talked to Max Bauer uh, last year about his times with WWE NXT. You can look up the archives and find the two parts. Actually, we did with Max Bauer, aka Axel Keegan. You can find those. Uh, go back and take a look at those. And John Morse, my supposed best friend at J O N S U P R M N. I'm not sure I can uh, dub him that anymore because for, well, first he says. The mandible claw was a bad finisher. All you had to do is bite down to get out of it. No, no, you can't. Right, that's what I said. Yeah, he he paralyzed you. You push down the tongue, and that paralyzes you. 
That was the whole point know, behind it. Down the tongue, it's under the tongue, right? It's, it's yes, yes, like you're right, you're right. Point, like under the tongue. You're right, yes. Right under the tongue. And you can't do anything about it, John Morse. And the thing that's got me a little hot under the collar, he says, the Hulk Hogan leg drop was the best. Thank you. I thought you were my best friend, John Morse. This is uh, <laughs> the, the tide is turning here. Why? Just because he has good taste? You're going to turn your back on him? <laughs> He's turning to Camp Kingpin, it looks like. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. All right. Uh, talking about this past Monday where we spoke to the promise Antonio Thomas, former WWE heartthrob, current George McFly lookalike. You have to go listen to that podcast and uh, listen to his podcast. I left my wallet and Greg Polanco, this week's guest, of course, the kingpin Brian Malonis. So a big crossover week. Yes, yeah, a big crossover week. He was on the WPAN on Monday and then late Monday, early Tuesday, the Kingpin was on Antonio's podcast. I left my wallet and Greg Polanco talking about fantasy sports, talking about the week in football and professional wrestling too there. Um, so check that out. Check both those podcasts out. And we got some feedback from this Monday's podcast. Gladys at that Daria chick said, Antonio is such a peach. He's so cool. <laughs> he certainly is. He is such a peach. And thank you very much for Antonio for spending so much time with us this past Monday. And oh, let me say, oh, let me get to Greg Myron here. At Lone Wolf GAM says, I really enjoyed this story of starting, building up, getting called up, developing, departure, and reestablishing the career of a wrestler. It's a really complete picture there from A to Z of a guy just starting out and catching a break and, you know, the struggles that he had in the WWE system and then kind of finally discovering himself after 15 years, uh, you know, finally finding something that he's comfortable with. It's a great story. I really hope you uh, go back on the NAI Wrestling Network or NAI Pop. You can find it in both places and check out this past week's interview with Antonio the Promised Thomas, episode 74 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. And John Morse, your new best friend, apparently, says, great interview with Promised <laughs> Thomas. He's at Promised Thomas on Twitter. He says, life is salty. How about these pretzels are making me thirsty? <laughs> I like it. All right. Dave Rodriguez at Picture Dave would love to hear more awesome stories like these down the road. One of my favorite WPAN podcasts. Thank you, Picture Dave. And uh, TK at THOG94 says, reliving in New England wrestling history one episode at a time. It's always a pleasure to listen and learn. TK, one of the original WPAN listeners and really appreciate TK's support for the past uh, year and a half plus. And a couple things here about Curly Moe, who was our promo about nothing. <laughs> you can listen to it uh, on episode 74, or you can go to our YouTube channel. You can go to tinyurl.com slash WPAN YouTube. I uh, set up a little tiny URL for uh, the YouTube channel so you can find it easily. You don't have to search on uh, YouTube. Just put tinyurl.com slash WPAN YouTube. We'll take you right to our YouTube channel and you can watch the new video of our promo about nothing. We play the video and then you hear our comments about it before and afterwards. Uh, Steven at HHHI2004 says, apparently Curly has a stuffed animal fetish. Maybe that's what they were selling. <laughs> you, know, you talked. Yeah, you talked about Brian. How? What is this supposed to be getting across? <laughs> it was just Curly Moe, who is a takeoff of Curly from the Three Stooges, and Bill Apter from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, just chit chatting. 
just talking about things and a curly pulling a bunch of racist things out of his bag of tricks. So <laughs> you can check that out. Tinyurl.com slash WPAN YouTube to check out our YouTube channel. We are posting all the promo about nothings each week up there for you to watch and listen to. So also Randall says, Randall Keogh says the promo about nothing went downhill fast after the entree, the giant joke. Yeah, that was that was right off the bat. So the other <laughs> the other two minutes were, I guess, a little too much for Randall. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Levi Margolin, he is at Levi Marg on Twitter. L a v i e m a r g says, "Any curly mo mentioned deserves publicity." Thank you, Levi, for retweeting our podcast, for retweeting the YouTube video of Curly Moe on the promo about nothing. And thanks to everyone who's given us feedback. Oh, we got one more here, of course. The question of the week with David Ratty. He asks, with SmackDown's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up in just a few weeks, I'd like to hear your picks on the worst cell matches in WWE history. He says, mine would have to be Undertaker versus the Big Boss Man at WrestleMania 15. Ooh, yeah, I mean... It's tough to beat that one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one... Oh, boy, I'm trying to think of one that that's worse. I, I mean, nothing nothing comes to... <laughs> nothing really comes to my mind that... Yeah, Dave, Dave you stole our thunder here. <laughs> I know, the nothing nothing comes to my mind that beats that. That was, that was awful. Um... I mean, all the other ones were. I mean, there's Undertaker, Randy Orton. There's uh, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. Undertaker, Triple H. I remember DX versus uh, Legacy. I'm sure I'm missing plenty of more in there. Mankind, Undertaker. But I mean, yeah, Undertaker, Boss Man. There was no reason to, for there, that match. The magnitude of it did not belong in Hell in a Cell. Uh, it was like on the middle of a WrestleMania card. They hung the boss man afterwards. Um, but I have a question for of- you. I have a question for you, Brian. Yeah. Was it symbolic? <laughs> no, Mike. They actually killed him. It was not symbolic. They, it- for, but for some reason, Michael Cole just continued to repeat over and over again as boss man is turning blue, hanging from the Hell in a Cell structure. But is it symbolic? Is it symbolic? I think that's them trying to cover their ass a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he should have said it is symbolic rather than asking as the man is twitching there. hanging from the ceiling uh yeah you got it you got it david ratty there's no really arguing it there's no really coming up with anything better than undertaker for the big boss man at wrestlemania uh i feel like there's probably some random one we're not thinking of in there somewhere but what's the one where rikishi fell off into a flatbed truck oh um was that like a multi-man i believe so that was like the era of they're still trying to top the mankind thing but they were trying to be safe about it so instead (laughs) they had like a a, a flatbed truck full of foam or whatever it was or hay or whatever that uh rikishi fell off of to give them their big spot of someone falling off the cell and it didn't quite hit home for anybody everyone was just kind of like yeah okay then they had to just go in a different direction and say okay that's not going to be topped so let's just do something different with hell in the cell but i i did it for the rock 
<laughs> he did it for the yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, so that's another thing I could think of. But yeah, David Ratty, you take the cake with Undertaker versus Big Boss Man. And thank you for your question of the week, as always. And thank you to everyone who is a part of Merv Griffin Time this week. We look forward to talking to you on Twitter. And we'll bring you the best of it next week on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on BDARadio.com. Okay, a couple things before we uh, move on here. Putting over podcasts. That is the Facebook group for all pro wrestling podcasters and pro wrestling podcast fans. We're discussing everything about pro wrestling talk over there on putting over podcasts. Just put that in the search bar. You'll find our Facebook group. Join. We'll add you and uh, join the conversation. Lots of podcasters over there. Lots of podcast fans. And we're talking about everything to do with wrestling talk. So join us over there on Facebook. Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast with Mike Mills. MikeMills.Podbean.com is the home base. And you can listen to their two podcasts they do a week. Sunday, the Smoky Mountain Show. And Thursday, it is the flagship show. And it's all over there on the Booking the Territory podcast feed. And, of course, checking the boots with Chip and Tony. Chip is uh, moving over. He is joining the NAI Network. He's going to have a show on the Wrestling Network. He's going to have a show on NAI Pop. He's still going to be doing Checking the Boots, though, despite what uh, Tony likes to say on the podcast. Chip will still be doing Checking the Boots. Chip K. Fabe, referee Tony S. Every Sunday, it is Checking the Boots. They're talking about the past, present, and future of professional wrestling. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Plenty going on in that feed as well with the flagship show on Thursdays with Jason and Troy and the Rundown sit-downs, Nitromania, so much stuff going on over there. Make sure you subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed as well. And thanks to all those guys for always uh, putting us over as well. And now, on this podcast, we have made the effort to establish a very unique, very exclusive Hall of Fame. Now, in life, as in wrestling, the number one way to tell people that you're up to no good is through laughter. I hearken back to the immortal words of one Tarzan Taylor. All it takes is that one over-exaggerated guffaw to let everyone know you're pure evil. So, with that said, I am humbly submitting this week's inductee to the wrestling podcast about nothing's Heal Laugh Hall of Fame. That one, hot off the presses, Kingpin. This past Monday on Raw, thank you to Brian Fury for uh, giving me the heads up on that one. As uh, you may imagine, I didn't catch much of Raw this past Monday. Me either, buddy. (laughs) But that was Neville, who had uh, snuck attack, or actually Braun Strowman laid out Enzo Amore, and then, of course, Neville came to pick the bones and just revel in the fact that Enzo was in a heap. Of course, it's Enzo versus Neville, upcoming at the pay-per-view for the Cruiserweight Championship, and Neville's heel laugh there. That is what heel laughs are made of. That might be the heel laugh of the year, bar none. Uh, that's going to be tough to beat, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, pushing that out at the end there. He was hurting himself <laughs> by the end of that thing. You don't wow. hear a good heel laugh uh, too often in 2017. And Neville just uh, made my life right there at that heel laugh. <laughs> 
Doesn't take much, huh, buddy? <laughs> Not much these days. Thank you to Brian Fury for pointing that out to me. And thank you, of course, to Neville for an excellent, amazing, just life-altering heel laugh. And to check him out in all his glory, find the link to the video in the description of this episode. You have to forward way to the end because they show the whole attack. So go way to the end of that video and do that on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing page on BDARadio.com, or you can find the link in the description of this episode. Okay, Kingpin, we got to get out of here. You know what? It, it, it's Big Brother time. The finale. It's Wednesday night. Yeah. we got to get out of, off of this thing so we could do the old uh, big watch of the two-hour season finale of Big Brother. And so you're packing your bags, about to hit those highways and those byways. This week, doing that pro wrestling gimmick, where are you headed this weekend? Saturday night, Mike, I'm heading to your old stomping grounds, Hadley Mass, Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. I'm in a rumble match for a shot at the title, and I got to do double duty and wrestle the Native American Tomahawk, not Tatanka, Tomahawk. Okay. (laughs) Find Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling on uh, all social media platforms for ticket and full event information. And then Sunday, Mike, I'm heading to Worcester, Massachusetts at the Electric Haze. I think there's about 30 or so tickets remaining. Beyond Wrestling, go to beyondwrestlingonline.com and also check out Beyond Demand. I'll be taking on John Silver, the raw dog, the self-proclaimed meat man. I'd be on the lookout uh, today as this is Thursday if you're listening to this for a nice uh, uh, response to Mr. Mr. Raw Dog, Mr. Meat Man from yours truly. All right, so you can check out Brian Malonis' Twitter, at Brian Malonis for that, I'm sure. If you want to actually book the Kingpin, you can DM him there as well or email brianmalonis at comcast.net. And for more of the wrestling podcast about nothing, and to check out BDA Radio's MMA podcast, A Man Walks Into an Arm Bar with Chad Alden and Paul St. Jr., head on over to your home for MMA and wrestling talk, bdaradio.com. I'll go as fast as I can, Kingpin. Mike, who wins? Who wins? Who wins? Who you got tonight? Who you got? I got Paul. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say Josh. I'm going to say Josh was the final HOH. He takes out Paul and wins it all in the end. I'm really hoping against hope on that one. But I guess uh, it wouldn't be such a bad thing for Paul to win this thing. It wouldn't be such a bad thing. It would be a good conclusion. If he doesn't, uh, I'll be pissed. (laughs) I'd love to see him get tripped up at the end. All right. Anyway, we'll be back next Monday with episode 75 of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing on the NAI Wrestling Network. Then catch us back here for the next edition of the WPAN on BDRadio.com and the Podcast Radio Network. Till then, he is the Kingpin, Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. We'll see you after Big Brother. And thanks for nothing. <laughs>